tonight. How are we doing? Good. You braved the snow, so that's good. Um, yep, yep. Okay, if you have your Bibles, grab those. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, we'll start in verse 23, or no, 17. We'll start in 17 here shortly uh, is, is where we'll be. Um, real quick, just a couple things I want to point your attention to yet, yet again. Um, what we've got upcoming, we've got our uh, Men by Design. And so what that's going to be uh, is going to be just a, a, a night for men to come and gather, hang out. There'll be uh, good fellowship, good food. Uh, oh, by the way, there's a chili cook-off going on. Um, and so uh, the chili cook-off, uh, there's opportunity for prizes. So men, listen, if you come, cook chili. We need you to come. We want you to come. Cook some chili. Hang out with us. Um, uh, there will be prizes for the top three chilies that are cooked that taste the best. Um, and so uh, you want to be a part of that. Come invite your friends. Get other men here. It will be a great opportunity that, that night to, to fellowship and, and eat and, and hear a good, good word uh, from the Lord. And so uh, that will be Tuesday, March 7th. Uh, and then also uh, that next Wednesday, the 8th, we're going to start a biblical parenting class. So the guy that leads Men by Design um, is also one who has a heart for uh, families and for children and for parents. And so he is going to come uh, every Wednesday night uh, in uh, March and he's going to lead in here in the sanctuary, 630, uh, how to biblically parent, what that looks like to, to be a godly uh, uh, parent in the, in the life of your uh, child and family. And so um, just great opportunities uh, that we have there just to, uh, again, to, to fellowship, to get together. I know we have the men's breakfast and we have prime timers. We have uh, a number of things that, that we do. And we just we want you to be involved. We want you to be plugged in. We, we want to live out biblical community together uh, inside the church, outside the church, everywhere that we go. We, we just want to have fellowship with, with, with one another as believers and uh, follow the Lord and, and just uh, be obedient uh, in that, really caring for one another, walking out with each other, uh, what that means and what that looks like. And so just really want to point your attention to, to those two things as well coming up. And so this morning for us, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to look at communion. Uh, in the scriptures, we're going to look at what that means, what, what the early church did, how they practiced that, how they did wrong, uh, some, some things there. And we're just going to walk through these scriptures uh, and, and look at it. And so if you're, you're type A, this, this is what we're going to talk about, two things. We're going to talk about the rebuke. Paul is going to rebuke. He's going to get onto the church there at Corinth. If you don't know much about the church at Corinth, the church at Corinth was just a train wreck of a church. Uh, you're talking about struggle. You're talking about issues. You're talking about just some junk. Uh, that, that has crept in, um, that's, that's what you have at Corinth. There's times that I read uh, these letters and I'm thinking, man, why, why don't they just like, why didn't they just like, uh-uh, we, we stop in this thing. Let's, let's just doze it and let's, let's start over. We're going to start afresh. Um, but Paul was committed to the church there. He was committed to the believers uh, there at Corinth and he uh, invests mightily with them and cares for them well and shepherds them uh, well and lets them know, brings them back always to the gospel of Jesus. So we'll see the rebuke. And then we'll see the correction. And so uh, as, as we walk through these scriptures, what I want to do is I just want to ask you to prepare your heart. I mean, to begin to prepare your heart for, for what God would want to do in you as a result of his word being proclaimed. As a result of, of us walking through these scriptures to just, just prepare your heart. Because what we're going to do is at the end of service, close of service, as we continue to worship, uh, we're going to partake in taking communion. And so we've got the table set up up front. We've got some tables uh, in the back, and we uh, just want, want to encourage you, uh, either, either by yourself or as a family, how, however you see fit there, to uh, partake of, of the table, of, of the juice and of the bread as it's uh, uh, monumental uh, reminders uh, in our life. And so uh, I'm going to pray once more, and then we're going to jump into uh, what God has for us here uh, in this letter uh, to the church at Corinth. Father, help us again to hear what you have to say. 
Father, help us to still our hearts. Father, help us just to be present in the moment. Lord, Holy Spirit, work like only you can. God, we give you freedom to do as you see fit. So, Father, for the heart here this morning that maybe doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, God, I beg, I implore, I plead with you, especially from what we're going to see this morning in your word, God, that you would save, that you would rescue, you would redeem, that you would pardon, that you would call to yourself. And, Father, that heart would enter into a relationship with you through faith. So, God, do work there, I pray. God, for the heart that's heavy this morning, that's hurting, that's struggling, whatever the case may be, whether it's sin, whether it's secret sin, whether it's struggle, difficulty, whatever it may be, God, that, you, God, that you'd bring hope, that you'd bring encouragement, that you'd bring peace like only you can. Father, I just pray you work and move. Bring encouragement to hearts. God, draw us closer to you, Father. Draw us deeper into relationship with you. Father, move in this place, in this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. So, as I've, as you've kind of seen here by the, by the outline, these these words that Paul pens comes as, as a rebuke or like a, a correction type, uh, type thing because uh, of the relational issues and the pride issues that have crept into the church here at Corinth. And so uh, they were having some relational uh, difficulties now, um, uh, with, with each other and kind of how they viewed each other and how uh, people's backgrounds were and kind of the, uh, their, their, uh, where they, they, they had stuff, they didn't have stuff, think, things like that. And so as a result of that, some pride has kind of uh, uh, risen up and has taken a hold of them. And so the first thing we're going to look about uh, is, is this, is, is Paul's, is the rebuke. And the thing I love about the scriptures, the thing I love about the Apostle Paul is that he cared enough for the church to call them out when they were in error. He, he cared enough for the people of God to say, hey, look, you're wrong. And, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. That he was good, that he was gracious. That, that's loving. I know in our world it doesn't appear to be nowadays. And even in the church many times, it doesn't appear to be loving and appear to be uh, uh, gracious and caring. But, but to let someone continue in sin, to let someone continue down a road that leads to destruction, to death, to their demise, for us not to step in and care enough and love enough to tell them the truth uh, is, is not of God. We're, we're called to, to, to walk with the care for, and that's what Paul does. And so 1 Corinthians uh, eleven seventeen says this. It says, but in the following instructions... I do not commend you. Um, and so he just goes right forward. Like he doesn't hold back. He doesn't, he, he, he's not soft with it here. Uh, Paul wasn't worried about their feelings or their little psyche. Paul was worried about truth. Paul was, was worried about their, uh, their practice of following out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. He, he cared deeply about their soul and he cared deeply about their eternity. That's what mattered to him most. That's what, uh, uh, that he just could not get off of his heart and off of his mind. This was not one of those, hey, everybody gets a trophy. We'll just, we'll just kind of overlook it and let them go their way. No, no, he cared for them more than that. He, he, he was committed to them more than that because of the gospel, because of what Jesus Christ had done in his heart and in his life. He did not want to see them continue down a path, down a road uh, that, that pushed people further and further away from Jesus. And so, hey, these instructions I'm about to, to give you, I, I'm, I'm not commending you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, great job, good job, because that's not what you're doing. You're not doing a good job. In fact, he says, uh, because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. I mean, think about that for a moment. You're getting a letter, you're the church, and you're getting a letter from, uh, from the Apostle Paul, just this godly uh, juggernaut of, of, a, of a believer, follower of Christ, and, and, and that's what he tells you. It's kind of a gut shot here in the moment, is it not? As he, as he gets on them, as he, as he tells them, and what he's saying is like this, this experience that's meant to, meant to build up the church, it was actually having the opposite effect. Like you come together to be built up, to be encouraged, 
to, to worship Jesus, to make much of him. And as a result, you're coming and what's taking place is doing the, quite, it's doing the opposite. I mean, I mean, get your mind around that for a second. Like you gather here, and as you gather here, when you leave, you leave, you walk out uh, uh, more feeling uh, lousy, feeling dejected, feeling worn out, feeling whatever the case is. And I'm not saying it's because the Holy Spirit works us over. Because he should, and he does, when we open up his word and, and we, we look at our life compared to his word and we, uh, and we see the things that he calls us to, to die to self, to, to live for him, to, uh, uh, to, to uh, have nothing to do with sin and pursue him. And, and we see those type of things, and, and there's stuff in our life that, that he works us over and beats us up and, and draws us closer and closer to him because he cares for us and loves us. That's not what's happening here. See, they come together, and as they gather as the church, it's more harmful than it is beneficial. Like it's hurting those that are within the practice and what they're doing and how they're living out what, uh, what they're doing in this moment. And so he goes on in verse 18, and he says this. He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, so, so, so there it is. He's talking to the Christians, to the, to the believers, the participants here that he's talking about, especially as it pertains to the Lord's Supper, are, are gathered believers in Jesus. That's who he's addressing. So as you come together as a church, he says, I hear that there are divisions among you. He says, and I believe it in part. He says, I'm not doubting that. I, I can see that. I can understand that, that these divisions there. And so the divisions that he's talking about here are, are divisions, as you read and look and do some study here, uh, are divisions that, that are between social classes. So, so the divisions, the, the, uh, the, the struggle here is between the rich and the poor. Both believers. And it doesn't matter about the bank accounts. And it matters about uh, their devotion and their heart and their commitment and their faith to the Lord. So, so the problem is with the haves and the have-nots. Th- that's the issue. That's the division. It's not of, oh, well, we sang a hymn or we didn't sing a hymn. Or well, what color should we paint uh, the walls? Or the carpet should be this. Or it's not over like the ridiculous dumps. This is, this is even worse. It's over those who have some and those who have very little. I think the thing that breaks my heart is, as we read a few weeks ago, Acts 2, 44, where, where, where Jesus makes this comment, or where uh, um, the, the, the author of Acts says this, he says, we're to have all things in common, and the all things for the church to have in common is Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you're old, doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you have kids, if you don't have kids, doesn't matter if you've got money, you don't have money, doesn't matter if you like the Chiefs or if you like the Eagles. Clemson, Carolina, that'll get us rolled up, won't it? Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter your, your preferences and likings in those things. What matters is our commitment of faith to Jesus. That, that's our commonality. That's the glue that holds us. So, so whether you can do something or not do something, whether you have a lot or you have a little, whether you, you bring a lot to the table or you don't bring very much to the table, our commonality is Jesus. Like, we gather here this morning for Him. He is the one that, that keeps us together, that, that we rally around regardless. Not haves or don't haves, talents or lack of talent or ability, lack of none of that stuff. It's Jesus. And what has happened is this has crept into the church here. This, this has crept in for, for those who have a lot and who don't. And what you see in verses 19 through 21, kind of a, a little bit more of an in-depth, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about that, because what would happen in the early church often is that they would meet in homes, is that they would gather in homes. They didn't have a church building like this, and they went down to the church building, and they didn't have those type of things. And so they would meet uh, in homes of, of usually the wealthy, because their homes would have the capacity to be able to hold more people. 
And so they would meet in these homes, and in the church here at Corinth, you have these wealthy believers who uh, held a worship gathering and a meal in their home. And so as they would begin to do that, the less wealthy believers, they would have to work. And so by the time that they got to the, uh, to the gathering or to the party or to there, they would ar- arrive late to the worship service, worship gathering, and to the meal. And so what this leads us to believe and what we see is that the wealthy, uh, uh, they didn't wait on, on the less uh, wealthy to get there. Instead, they begin to eat without them. They begin to, to do a lot of things without them to the point where they're, they're getting drunk. They're eating all the food. There's no food left for those uh, who would need to eat. And what this does is it caused divisions within the church there between the wealthy and the poor. That's what Paul's getting onto them for. Man, there's these divisions that don't need to be there. You, you made it about something that you don't need to make it about. That's what we see Paul talking about there in verses 19 through 21. And then in 22, he says, What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Now, I don't, I don't know what discipline looked like in your home growing up, but, but I, I, that, that's, that's a whooping right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I, I, I was a product of, of the Board of Education, and I'm not talking about the school system. I'm talking about the paddle that my dad carried when me and my sister didn't act right. And so as, as I read that, I mean, look, look at the light. Do you despise the church of God? I mean, do you, do you not get what you're, are you guys crazy? What are you doing? Almost. I mean, I mean he's, he's getting on them. Why do you humiliate those who have nothing? Why would you do this? Why would you act this way? Why would you be this way? Because the apostle Paul knew what the church was a body. It's a place where all are welcomed. All, all are wanted, right? All who are invited, especially if you're a believer and you take the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what's in your account and what's not in your account. That's irrelevant. Jesus is the love of your life. Hey, he's the love of my life. I mean, we've, got, we've got the utmost in common. What's your story of how you came to Christ? This is my story. And that binds us together. I mean, that keeps us together. And they had made the church gathering about something that was never meant to be. And, and the Apostle Paul, he just, did you just despise the church? Why do you humiliate those? I mean, the complete opposite of what the church is about, right? I just can't get your mind around this. And I think, I mean, how crazy is this? Like, we read this and we think about, man, those people in that day. But the reality is the church today is not very far removed from this, are we? Like, we've really not progressed much further, if at all. I mean, I mean, how quick are we to forget what God has done in our life? How quick are we uh, to push aside uh, all that he has done and what he has brought us from? How, how we were the poor on the side of the street, spiritually speaking, right? Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit. Every single one of us, regardless of what your bank account looks like, regardless of what uh, uh, your status in society and culture is, regardless of those type of things, every single one of us who claimed the name of Jesus came the same way, as a beggar poor on the side of the road that has nothing to offer. And if, and if someone doesn't step in and rescue and redeem and save us and offer us, offer us rescue, then we spend eternity separated. And that someone is Jesus. That someone is Jesus. Every single one of us have come the same way, the same way, and it's through faith in Christ, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the, cro- on the cross. And so they're holding, they're withholding an essential need from someone who needs it. They're causing these divisions. They're, they're causing uh, all of this stuff to happen and to take place, this humiliation. I mean, we're called to love and to care for and to help those who are in need, Right? 
back to Acts 2.45, it says that they sold their possessions and distributed to those who had need. That, that's, that should be the heartbeat of the church. That should be, should what we, we should be caring for one another more than anybody else on the planet. We should be for each other more than anybody else on the planet is for each other. I, I mean, we are a family is the picture that is painted. A family. And I'm not, yeah, we're all dysfunctional. We've all got our issues and we all uh, uh, bring, bring all of that with us. But at the end of the day, we have the grace and mercy of Jesus. And we have, have the example of Jesus Christ who has lived and shown and modeled for us what that looks like to be family, to walk out family. And, and so that's what we see happening. That's what we see taking place, that they're not living out and being. And so he closes out verse 22 and says, well, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? Shall I pat you on the back? Shall I give you uh, that a boy keeper? No, no, I will not, he says. Because he's honest, he cares for, he's truthful, even if it's going to hurt and sting a little bit. And, and isn't that usually the way that, that, that uh, uh, whenever we're caught out, whenever we're, uh, things come to us sometimes, like, like, it, like it stings, it cuts? Uh, that's what happens here. Paul knows that this is for their good, for their Good. Why? Because he knows that we as the church will either draw or repel people by the way that we live, by the way that we relate to one another, by the way that we care for one another, by the way that we uh, live in, in fellowship and community with each other. He knows, Paul knows, and is aware, and, and so are you, that, that by the practices that take place in this place with those of us who call ourselves Christians, that it will either draw the lost world to or it will push the lost world further away. And, and Paul says that he's not putting up with it. But, but it, there's more to this than just, just do you get to hang out with this person or get to hang out with this person? Do I get to say what this person needs or do I get to say what this? We got to get over that junk. I mean, we like to get on our kids about these, uh, these cliques and the dissension and this and that, and they're no different than we are. It's just model learned behavior. That's what it is. Because we don't care enough and walk with and are committed enough to people to live out life and journey together for the glory of God. So we pick our few favorites and we always hang out with them. We always talk with them. We always do with them. We, always, we, we uh, don't include others. We, we push away, whatever the case is. And, and church, that doesn't draw. That repels is what that does. That repels is what that does. And so Paul calls them out for that. No, no, the church should be, the church should be a light in the dark world. The, per, the church should be a place that, that draws people. I know that the gathering this morning is for the bride. That we gather here in this place this morning as the redeemed men and women of God. I know that. I know that this this morning is not for the lost. But the hope and the heart should be that there should be lost coming, asking questions, seeing what's happening. By the way, we live our life by the things that we do in our community, by the stuff uh, that we say or we don't say, the practices that we, uh, uh, that we follow out, the way that we live our life. That, that should draw. I mean, they should want to come see what the crazy Christians are doing again. What are they up to? Why do they think like this? Why do they live this way? Why do they say those things? Why do they, why do they not do that? It just makes sense to do that, but they just won't do it for some reason. It's not because we're bigots or we're hateful or we're whatever they want to label us as. It's because, man, man, there's a standard that's been set. There's a way that we've been invited in to live relationally with one another, to live relationally with God. And as a result of that, our commitment is to being obedient to Him. So they're pushing people away. They're causing dissension. They're causing people wanting to have nothing to do with the church and Paul corrects it. Now let's look at the correction. Because Paul's correction is out of love and for the good of the church. Paul's correction here is because he loves them and he cares for them, he's committed to them, and it's for their good. It's for their good because he sees and he knows and he expects 
expects more from them as the Lord does. And so this is what he says in verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also uh, delivered to you. So he's saying that this, this, is, this is from God. God's given him this. He, and we can see this in the Gospels uh, as Jesus that, that night takes of, of the cup and he takes of the bread and he explains this. And so, uh, so Paul is just repeating that, that the Lord Jesus on the same night, verse 23 there, in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, so we take the bread this morning and we eat of the bread, which is a representation of his body. It's a symbol of his body. We don't believe that it's his physical body incarnate. We don't believe it. We believe that this is a symbol. This is a practice of the church. Why? So that we can, uh, uh, that we can proclaim who he is, that we can tell who he is, so we can be reminded of what he has done for us. That's what this is. It's a remembrance of him. It's a remembrance of, of, of the price that he has paid. Look at verse 25. It says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we do this to remember him. But we do this to be reminded of who he is and what he has done and what he has accomplished. It's images of the cross. That's what this is. That's what communion is. The bread, his body, being broken, being brutally uh, 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 tortured for us, and then going to the cross and willingly laying down his life and his body uh, with nails being pierced through his, through his hands and through his feet as he hung there on the cross, beaten and battered to the point of not even being able to be recognized. And he says, so every time you tear that, so think about that later, church. When we tear that bread, we're tearing that body. And, and it's a reminder of what he has done for us on the cross. It's a reminder that, that this is the greatest example of love that we'll ever know or see or experience ever, ever, is that his body willingly was broken for us. And he tells his disciples that night before he goes to the cross. And do this and remember, remember me, don't forget me, because you're, you're going to be, the tendency is to forget, like the church here in Corinth has. I mean, our tendency is not to move toward holiness. Our tendency is to be selfish, self-centered, worried about me, my preferences, my like, and so therefore I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move more toward me, not toward holiness. No, no it's work to, to move toward holiness. There's discipline to move toward holiness. There, there, there's surrendering and laying down your life. There's a cost to move toward holiness. The, the, the easy move is toward self. And what Jesus is saying, what Paul is echoing of what Christ has said is, you do this to remember because you'll forget. I know how quickly you'll forget. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm quick to forget. I'll forget really, really fast. And I will make this thing about me in a minute. I, I will make loving and pursuing about me and what I feel in the moment, what I like in the moment. And he says, don't forget, church, church, don't forget the body that was broken, the blood that was spilled, all that precious blood, the blood that was spilled for the remission of sin, for the forgiveness of sin is what the scriptures teach. That blood, Jesus's blood who, who washed us white as snow, who has cleansed us by his blood, making payment for our sin, making payment for our rebellion. And that's what's so glorious about the gospel. Is that you, you can't, I can't. We can't pay the price. We can't make right what we've wronged. We can't appease God with, with all of our goodness, with all of our attendance, with all of our being nice, with all of our whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And what this is, is a reminder that you remember him. Remember what he has done. Remember that you can't. That you're helpless and hopeless. That's what he's saying. See, one, one reason communion is so, so important is because it keeps 
the person and work of Jesus central in the life and worship of the church. See, what communion does is it reminds us of the main thing. It reminds us of the main thing. The main thing being Jesus. The star of the show always being Jesus. The one that we gather to make much of is Jesus. The, the one that we sing about is Jesus. The one that we talk about is Jesus. The one that we celebrate is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Because if not, we'll drift about me. We'll drift to self. And this is a reminder of the main things. And so that's one of the reasons why I want to, I want to put before you as often as I can the responsibility to share the gospel. That's what we've been called into, to be, to be ambassadors for Christ, to stand in the gap, to beg of the world to turn from their sin and to look to Jesus. That's one of the reasons why I want to keep it before us, just the desire this year to share the gospel with at least a thousand people, which it breaks down to just 84 people a month, which you by yourself probably rub shoulders with way more than that in a week. And just to stop in a moment and tell somebody about Jesus or in a conversation, tell somebody about Jesus. So today, where we're at, we, we've, on, that, on that board out in the lobby, we've got about 50 crosses on that board. And we're starting into week two of February, where when we finish, we should be at about 168 people that we've shared the gospel with. Very doable. But I want to have it as a reminder. Why? Because if you go living your life and you're not focused on the centrality of what we've been rescued from and what we've been called to and what he's done in our life, you'll never tell somebody about Jesus. You'll never open up your mouth and share the glorious news of the gospel. And what he's calling us back to in this moment is, hey, it's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about what he's done for us. That's what this is about. It's about Jesus. So, so in a world of complexity, in a world of busyness, man, we're quick, quick to forget what matters most. We tend to drift, don't we? We'll drift in a, in a moment. We'll waver. We'll allow our spiritual feet to move and, and not stay planted in that moment. And so what Jesus does is he institutes this practice for his church to remind them again and again and again what is of most importance. What is of most importance? The cross, Christ, what he's done, the glory of God. And so when we take those elements, what we're doing is we're saying, yes, first and foremost, we believe we know that it's not about us, it's about him, and that we want the world to know. We want to proclaim this, and that's what we'll see. But look at what he says in verse 26. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. So, so, so from what we know, what we gather, there is nothing in the New Testament that talks about the frequency of the Lord's Supper other than this little phrase, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. And, and so some believe that it would be good to do it weekly. Others Practice it quarterly. And so, so I believe my heart is, is what God's kind of directing and navigating me to, to lead us into is that, is that frequency is preferable, preferred over infrequency. So, so for me, one of the convictions that I've felt through studying this and reading this and that, that, that I want to lead us into as a church is that, is that we take serious this practice monthly. And as God leads us into it more if he needs to. Because of the benefits of this. Because of what it does, it helps, it helps focus our heart back in. It, it helps remind us of who He is and what He's called us to. It, it points to and shows us of, of His glory and His grandeur and what He has done for us by way of the cross. It, it, it's, a, it's a reminder to us of the greatness of our God. And so for us, it's to, to move into a time where we do this. We, we, we celebrate this monthly. 
Maybe sometimes it'll be more as God leads us into, as he, as he shows us, as he speaks to, as he, as he directs us. Because he says this, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, that's what we're proclaiming this morning. We're saying, yes, we believe. Yes, we're being reminded of who he is and what he has done. But now what we're going to do is we're going to tell the world about it. And we're going to partake of the elements of the cross. The aspect of this supper here, what we're going to, we're going to proclaim. We're not going to be private. We're not going to be silent. We're not going to be subdued. We're going to, we're going to proclaim and live out our faith. We're not going to be passive. So, so as we partake in communion, we proclaim that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he's accomplished what he said that he would accomplish. And us taking that say, yes, we believe it. Yes, we submit to. Yes, we follow out what he has called us to be and do. This is a picture of him dying for our sins, being buried and raised. It's, it's us believing and proclaiming the gospel is what it is. And so communion, church, communion is a practice of the church that reminds us again and again and again what's most important. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. That we have the truth before us and that we can share and proclaim it. And what I would say is this, is that, is that we never mature past the gospel. It's like, it's like we, never, we never move away from the truth and the proclamation of the gospel. The gospel is something that's to ever be before us. Why? Because, because when we think that we've got that, it just shows that we don't have that, that we don't understand that. The need to proclaim it, the need to, to, to live it out, the, the need to be reminded of it often and always needs to be before us of the cross of Christ. And so before we, we jump here in verse 27 and start to kind of wind things down, I just, I just want to set it up. I, I, want, to let, I want to let you know how, how, how vital, uh, vitally important this, this is, what Paul is going to tell us here in verse 27, because this is a warning. Man, I don't say this to scare you. I don't say this to, as, a, as a fear tactic. I, 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 just, I just want us to look at the Scriptures and let the Scriptures bear, bear weight on our soul. And, and it's a very serious thing that we're about to participate in this morning. So, so the Lord's Supper is, is an act of the gathered family of those who believe in Jesus. It, it's, it's the church. It's not an act of unbelievers, like I said earlier. It, it's though unbelievers may be present, and we hope they are. We want them to be. This is not a secretive type thing that we're, we're doing here. It, it's, 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 it's done in public. I mean, it has a public meaning. It, it's not secretive, culture, cultural, uh, a ritual type thing that we do that has some magic powers. That, that's not what this is. It's a public act of worship by the gathered church. That's what the, this is another way of worship. Like we said, hey, offering is a way of worship. Singing songs is a way uh, that we worship and reflect back to God how much we value him and how much we love him and what he means to us. Singing songs, uh, uh, listening to the, to the word proclaimed as, as we sit there and allow the Holy Spirit to work. I mean, we worship. All of this is, is an act of worship by the gathered church. So us taking of the elements of the table, us taking communion is one of the greatest ways that, that we as a church celebrate Jesus. One of the greatest ways that we point to this world of who Jesus is, and it's a serious, serious way. And, and so this is, this is not a gathering at the table where nothing happens. No, no, something happens because, hear me, hearing the gospel with faith brings us to grace, so hearing with unbelief brings about judgment is what Paul's going to tell us. And that's what he says in verse 27. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So when he uses the word unworthy there, it means unfit. 
It means ritualistic. It means unrepentant. It's a heart or a spirit of bitterness or any ungodly attitude. If there's sin in your life, if there's a practice of sin that you run to over and over and over and it's not been repented of, you've not been broken over, you've not laid it before the Lord and asked him to break your heart, to crush you in that sin, and you repent and turn from it, and you continue to do that and to do that and to do, or, or to live life the way that you want to. If, if this gathering this morning is just a thing that you do to check your box so you think that God will give you something or, or kind of be on your side when something difficult comes, uh, th- that's what Paul's talking about. Or if, or if you say, yeah, Jesus is just something that I do that I tack, tack to the end of whatever. That's the heart that Paul's talking about. If you have hate in your heart towards someone else, if you had lust in your heart towards someone else, if you, any of those things that are sinful and wicked that, 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 that cause Jesus to have to go to the cross, he's saying if you take of it in an unworthy manner. And that's why we're so serious about what we're talking about here is, as he's going to call the church into this time of, 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 of introspection and looking and seeing and asking those questions. God, is there something? The practice of my life is to always, with everything I can, to have before him, just, okay, God, I'm, what, 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 do you need, what do you need to point to my attention? What do you need to make me aware of? God, what have I done in my life that doesn't represent you well, that doesn't show that I'm a follower of you, that, 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 that shows sinful action that goes against who you are and what you've proclaimed and what you've said? I want that to always be the practice of my life. That, that's what he's calling the church into. And the reality is none of us comes in a worthy manner if it wasn't for the work of God in our life. So, so this isn't a scare tactic. This isn't, a, hey, don't, don't do it. This is, this, is a, I mean, this is a serious moment. He's raising the bar and reminding them of what they're about to do and about to be a part of. Because when he uses the word guilty here means if you come to the table clinging to sin, it dishonors, it dishonors the ceremony and his body and his blood. And so when we take of it in an unworthy manner, it's to mock the sacrifice that Christ has made for our sins by holding on to our sin. It's by saying, hey, no, we know what's best for our life. We know what fulfills us. We know what makes us whole. We know what makes us happy. We know, we know what's best for us, God, and you don't. And what Paul does here is he invites the believers as well as the unbeliever to examine and see what is your heart longing for? What is the greatest desire of your life? Is it that of Jesus or is it that of self and sin? Is it running to and clinging to him or is it running to and clinging to self? Because look at what he says in verse 28. He says, let a person examine himself. Examine here means to test or to prove, to to make sure of some things. He wants you to make sure first and foremost that you belong to Christ. And and two, that you're not living in open rebellion. That's what the examination is, to prove, to test, to see, to make sure. One, that I I belong to Jesus and that as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Jesus, as as a part of his church, that there's not sin in my life that uh, that I love more than him. Not things in my life that I run to and desire more than him. He says, then after that, after, after that, verse 28, then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone, look, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, what Paul says here with, with his verbiage and his words, it, it brings about this thought of condemnation. So, so what you're doing by taking of the elements of the cross, the elements of the table there, what you're doing is you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty and I deserve the strictest of punishments. Uh, as an unbeliever, taking, partaking of communion just simply says, yeah, Jesus is who he says he is and I deserve eternity separated from him. And as a believer who's clinging to sin over Christ, defaming 
what Christ has done, making a mockery of the cross, you're saying too, yes, I deserve this. Yes, I should have this. Yes, this is what I should get. But for those of us in the room who says, no, 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 I, I, I'm sinful, I'm wicked, I know it. Man, there's struggle, uh, there's fights, there's, there's battles, there's, there's things that, that go on. Uh, but, 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 but God, search me, know me, bring to my heart, bring to my mind things that, that, that I have done that don't please you, that don't show that I'm following you, that don't show that I'm, that I'm yours. God, God bring, that, uh, bring that to my heart, bring that to my mind so that I can lay it before your cross and, and be broken over my sin, loving it more than I love you. In verse 30, what Paul says is that's why, as the band comes back up, that's what, this is what Paul says, that's why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. And, and what it is is just some results of, of taking the elements in an unworthy manner. And he says this, but, but if, you, if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that, that we may not be uh, condemned along with the world. And so what Paul's saying is this, is that the Lord chastens and drives his people back to righteous behavior and even sends some to death to keep them from falling away and defaming his name. Kind of amps it up a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of shows us the seriousness of. So maybe that's why Paul was so hard on him. Or what would appear to be hard is really just a loving challenge. Hey, man, you were made for that, for more than that. You were created for more than that. Remember what the cross means and stands for. Remember what he has done. Remember who he is. This is what we're called to do. We're called to live out and walk out. This is the way that God's created us for relationship with him, with each other. This is what he's called us to, to be about. Man, to have nothing to do with sin. To run to him. And when we do stumble and fall into sin, man, to, to, to own that and to ask the Lord to break us to ask the Lord to give us a heart of hatred for the things that he hates, to ask the Lord to break us over the things that he can't stand. We run to the Lord. So this morning, as we are about to partake in communion, just kind of some responses here as the band, they're, they're going to lead us. And, and as they lead us, there's just going to be this time of, uh, of you being free to move about as you see the Lord lead you. Meaning if you want to come and examine or, or as you've sat here and as you've heard the proclamation of the word, if God's brought something to your heart, to your memory that maybe isn't in line with him, to, to, I mean, you can spend time at the, the altar praying or you can spend time in your seat praying. Then as you do that, if you feel led, man, to, to partake, to partake in the elements of the cross. As we've got them here, and as we've got them in the back and, and I know it's a little bit different this morning, but what we're going to do is this, and I just thought that this would be a good symbol and a good reminder of what we're about to do. So we're going to remove the bread from, from uh, the towel. And what you'll do is after, when you feel led by the Holy Spirit, the Lord, to come and partake of communion, you, you'll do that. They're, they're, going to, they're going to lead us in three songs of worship in response. And so as you, as you feel God kind of leading you in that and you step into that, if, whether it's coming praying, whether it's praying where you're at, whether it's just worshiping for a moment, if you want to get your family and partake, or if you want to go by yourself and partake, you'll go down and you'll tear off the bread as a reminder his body was broken. And then you'll take the bread and you'll dip it in the juice, which is a representation of his blood, a reminder of his blood. And as we do that, it was spilled, it was poured out for our sin. And then you'll take of the element and you'll eat it there. So now's the time to prepare your heart. Now's the time to, if you need to come pray, now's the time if you... If you, if you want to just, just worship for a bit, if you want to get your family, whatever you want to do is Lord leads you, but you'll come and you'll break the bread as a reminder. You'll dip the bread as a reminder and you'll take it as a reminder. And it's not just a reminder. It's also a way that we get to proclaim and tell 
get to proclaim Jesus. And this is a bold act of the church, y'all. That we get to proclaim and we get to tell the world that we believe he is who he says he is. In a world that says we're crazy and foolish and it's ridiculous that we put our faith in someone like that. It's ridiculous that we would live that way. We're foolish and, 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 and we're made fun of and we're, 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 we're left out and we're all of this stuff that's coming down the way for us. We said, no, 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 no. We believe that he is the best way. That, that's what this is. No, no, his way. I dip and I take. I break and I dip and I take. I'm reminded man, of the price that he's paid for me. Oh, as I tear that bread, as we sing, as we sing of amazing grace, as we talk about his faithfulness this morning, as we sing about that, that's what, the, it's a reminder. This is a reminder that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's accomplished what he said he's accomplished. And he's done for us what he said that he would do for us, and it's provide a way where there's no way. And so us taking, we proclaim, man, I pray that God would move in you this morning to do that not just here in this place, but as we walk out these doors this morning, that we would be emboldened in our faith by taking this and be reminded of who he is and what he's accomplished and done us. And it would give us a boldness to tell the world and proclaim, not be passive, but proclaim. Father, help us this morning in this place to hear from you, follow after you, to be obedient to your leading, to your guiding, God, as we sing these songs. Lord, this is a time for us to examine and ask and say, okay, Jesus, what is it in my life? And some of that stuff may come quick. Some of that stuff may not come up. I don't know. Father, in that moment when it's brought to our attention, our, to our mind, Father, that we, we would repent and we would turn to you and that we would God, be broken over sin, especially, Lord, as we're reminded of how good and great and faithful you are and what you've accomplished for us by way of the cross. So, Father, I pray you move in our midst this morning as we worship, as we make much of, as we, as we close out this service in honor of you and who you are. I mean, we proclaim all the days of our life. It's true. You are the Savior. And we pray.